Warning, wrestling POV Global is not suitable for all ages. Viewer discretion is advised. This is Javier Oist. I write for ProWrestlingStories.com, and you're listening to WPOV Global. Wrestling POV Global Black and Yellow brand. It's your point of view on the global stand. From north to south to east to west, they got you covered like a blanket, but I digress from elite to elite to the hot topic. AEW Impact New Japan, they got it. Have you laughing so hard? Have your belly aching? Heard any different? I'm sure you're mistaken. Hey fans, welcome to both. Try that again. Hey fans, welcome to another edition of WPOV Global. I'm your host, Legend T. James Logan. With me, my co-hosts with the mostest. We're talking about the Lone Wolf, Andy Anderson. Andy, pleasure as always. And the gentleman, Elio Canella. Elio, it's great to be here. Well, you know what, guys? We have a, a bit of an odd show for me to cover. <laughs> I'll. Uh, I was saying to the guys, this was how great it was. I was headed home, ready to say, what was it tonight? Fight for the Fallen, I believe. Is, Fight is for the Fallen. Thing? Fight for the Fallen. So I'm all excited for Fight for the Fallen. I can't tell you, and I'm honestly, we're going to talk about this. I wasn't too happy or excited to see Nick Gage. I'm going to find out from you guys what this dude's all about on a national level. Um, so I get home. I have a bucket of Korean chicken, some rice. I'm all set to go. Turn on my PBR and nothing's recording. I'm already like 20 minutes behind, so I figured, oh, I'll go through the commercials, catch up with you guys. Well, the Olympics are playing. So here in Canada, I go uh, and check, and it says TSN5, which is a channel I know I don't get, but I tried. Nothing. And my computer's in the shop, so I can't even find an illegal stream as I'm talking <laughs> to you guys on my phone here. Does it, so, doesn't, doesn't it work uh, on your iPad? Doesn't it work on your iPad, though? My iPad is old enough. It's a fourth generation that it does not stream live stuff like that. Oh, it, there's just okay. not enough memory left in it. Oh, so, okay. yeah, and RAM in it. So, unfortunately, uh, we're going to go into tonight's show. I have a list here. I'm going to be asking some specific questions that popped up in my mind looking at these. And we're going to get the view from Andy as the wrestler and Elio as the fan what they saw in Fight for the Fallen tonight. In the end, we're going to determine whether it was worth watching, and we're going to give it our report card. So I'm very interested. There are a lot of questions going into this. There were some things promised by AEW. Let's see if they deliver. Now, before we get in there, let's talk about our Elite. No, we don't. We we changed the name. It's no longer Elite. Delete. Um, it is a uh, bomb. Dynamite, dynamite or bomb. Yeah. Dynamite or bomb. Dynamite meaning that the moment you turn it on, you're watching the guy whoever we picked as the dynamite or bomb series and you're looking at him and you're telling right now, is this guy ready for prime time? And the character he is not who he is, not his reputation from yesteryear or potential of what you think he could be next year at this moment, the character being portrayed is a dynamite. Is he cool? Ready for prime time? Or is he a bomb? Not very good. Is he uh, sending down to the, I don't know what, what other crazy shows they got there? 24 dark hour. And, yeah. Dark dark. Elevation. Dark, I believe, is still running at this moment. Yesterday's episode. <laughs> yeah, we haven't told anybody yet that the cameras have stopped. All right. So this week, who do we have listed as a bomb or dynamite? Wheeler dynamite Utah. Wheeler Utah. 
Okay, Wheeler Yuda is a guy that I have seen uh, in the last year floating around the independents. We've seen him a bit in ROH. I've seen him in smaller things. Uh, a guy with a good size, an interestingly different look. However, he's been thrown at us for the last two weeks on, uh, on AEW Dynamite. And uh, have you got a chance yet, Andy? I know you, you missed some of the stuff, but you saw him last week. Do you have enough of an opinion yet? To, to, to where you where do you see this guy right now from your opinion oh you know what I'll, I'll give the benefit that I don't say because I think I only seen him once and I don't have so I don't have a lot but I will say this because I mean you know we talk about first impressions I know you know you're big on first impressions yeah um he didn't really do anything for me like he didn't stand Ooh. out it was just another just another guy mm-hmm. uh, maybe if you know maybe to see a little bit more uh, I'd be open to changing my mind but I remember for Whoever it was that I saw the first time when I saw him. Uh, uh, oh, who did he fight? It wasn't uh, Darby Allen. It was the week before. Uh, Sammy Guevara. Oh, Sammy Guevara. Yeah, yeah. He was okay, but like nothing, nothing standoutish, and not, like you know, nothing that they don't already have. Okay, and and I got to ask you because we talk about first impressions. I did find his gear quite indie-rific. Did did you think that maybe he just didn't look like he was wearing like a wrestler ready for the big league sort of deal? I I don't even remember. So, I mean, the fact that that doesn't stand out, probably not a good sign. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, we have one vote for bomb. Bomb. Uh, How about you, Elio? Okay. So like Andy said, um, he only saw him once I saw both weeks, Sammy Graham, Darby Allen. Um, While the matches were good, Nothing really stood out to me. I'm gonna go with bomb, and also they just brought this guy in like uh, they with, with the best friends, and uh, yeah. they never explained the connection there. So that's yes. right there. Okay. And uh, yeah, other than that, um, yeah, I'm going with bomb because they really okay. didn't explain anything. If you really want to stand out, get away from best friends, like I've said on the past mm-hmm. episodes, and yeah, just go on your own. Now, I'm going to say, uh, I mean, we talk about that first impression look. I did like the fact he was tall. I'm sorry, in AEW, there are not a lot of guys who are legitimately <laughs> tall guys. When you see Christian, and Christian is like one of the biggest guys on your roster, you start yeah. to understand, well, maybe AEW is not the land of the Giants. Um, but Wheeler Utah, uh, he, he was taller. I'll give him that. He had uh, an interesting face, very different. His gear, however, yikes, um, not good. He really did look like uh, a trainee that they're given a chance to instead of a, a guy who's trying to make a polished debut. Um, they did. I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go 100 percent and give them crap about not explaining. They did slightly explain okay. Wheeler Utah's connection with with the best friends. Just it wasn't very clear enough so that I actually had to kind of go back and say, did, did I hear that right? And, and they just sort of, you know, even Jim Ross brought it up like, well, who, why is this guy out here with, you know, Orange Cassidy and stuff? And they vaguely, um, and this is what I don't like sometimes about AEW, they bring somebody in who's been floating around on the independence and they expect you to know who he is. Like you're just supposed to know that this dude fought for Florida championship wrestling or he fought for, for NWA, whatever, you know what I mean? They just expect you to know things. And and that is not a good tactic. You know, you don't see that in the WWE. I mean, they go so far as when they bring up a guy from uh, NXT, 
they don't even, they don't even acknowledge NXT. It's a whole different thing that they try and tell you who this character is right now, who they're introducing to you, even if they've told you for a year that he's someone else. But they're very clear about who he is at that moment. Um, they did mention a connection between Orange Cassidy being a mentor and trainer of Wheeler Utah, so that explains sort of his kind of connection there. But they've really downplayed it. And which is bizarre because I mean they're playing all this stuff up with QT Marshall and and uh, Cody Rhodes, so I guess there's no room for another trainer. I, I don't know, but it it would make sense if they just kind of drop that a little more and mention that because all of a sudden, I mean it's hard enough time that you took someone established like Chris Statlander, and for some unknown reason she's hanging out with this group of losers. Now this guy just comes out of nowhere and he's hanging out with them and he gets, you know, national television time two weeks in a row. It's confusing, confusing to say the least. Um, however, I do see a potential in him. I am not going to say dynamite or bomb. I'm going to reserve on this one just a little bit because I like the size. I like the, the, the potential, but the, you know, he's got some things holding him back. Uh, his presentation definitely needs work. Uh, the announcers need to work a little more. And by God, man, buy some gear that doesn't look like you're just wearing some shit that you were worked out in, and then they told you you had a match. Okay, um, not a not a fan of that kind of thing. So I'm gonna go in between, but we'll have to officially name him as Bomb because you two guys uh, put him as such this week. So um, all right, Wheeler Utah, get your shit together if you're gonna be on AEW Dynamite, bro. All right. <laughs> What do we got for hot topics this week? Actually, uh, we have numbers and uh, comments for the. We do. Brown. Yep. Oh, I skip it too fast, Elio. I get all excited. Tell me those <laughs> numbers, my friend. So Tell us some we have eighty percent going with dynamite, while twenty percent went with bomb. Wow. Wow, there that that tells me that he made somewhat of an impression with some people. Apparently. If it had been more of a split, I would have thought uh, people are just not sure. But eighty percent—that's a good number, Andy. They might—they might try to. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah. And yeah, we, and we have two comments. Rick's round of the third writes, "Rather watch um, <laughs> sorry, rather watch a mirror match." Oh, oh, <laughs> hitting below the belt, around. <laughs> and Mastin Mullins says he won't last long anyway. Oh. <laughs> Well, they were they were not part of the eighty percent that voted, obviously. <laughs> Why is it in the wrestling world that those with the negative ones are the ones who talk loudest and the most? <laughs> I think that's a reflection of society in general, not just wrestling. Yeah, sadly true. We've talked about yeah. this many times. Yeah. All right, Elio, let's go on to our hot topic this week. So, the, for the hot topic, we have: Did AEW make a wise decision bringing in Nick Gage? Now, I want you guys to answer this question as if you had not seen what you saw tonight. I wanted to go on the first impressions when he got revealed. And from what we've heard about this guy and the things we know, um, for myself, you know, I saw the dark side of the ring thing. Um, I've heard nothing but terrible things about this guy. Uh, and the worst part is he doesn't seem to give a crap about all the negative press. And, and I guess in some ways that probably makes him a big anti-hero yeah. with the deathmatch community and those sort of things. Um, I struggle enough when we see this kind of garbage happening on AEW. So why are they bringing in the biggest garbage collector in my opinion? You know, like uh, I, I'm not, I was not, first of all, too, when he came out, did, did you guys notice he's extremely short? 
he didn't look impressive. He looked like he looked like uh, what did Jim Cornette say? He looked like a meth head that <laughs> yeah. uh, just rolled out of a dumpster with a pizza cutter. Uh, you know, this this five foot nine meth head with terrible clothing. Um, there was no, uh, there was nothing that drew, drew me to him. There was nothing that uh, made me think. Like, seriously, if I didn't saw any of that stuff and they had just come out and said, it's Mick Gage, I would have been like, who? Yeah. You know, who? I, I don't even see it, right? Um, yeah, guys, I, I've got to ask your opinion. When that first thing, when Nick Gage came out, uh, Elio, he comes out, they say Nick Gage, the things you know, what were you thinking at that moment? I was saying, AEW, what are you doing? Why are you bringing this guy in? You know his history, you know his past and everything he's done, all the crazy matches he's had, the death matches. And after seeing Dark Side of the Ring, uh, yeah, not a fan. Okay. I, really, I really don't like these death matches, and uh, yeah. I, don't like, I don't like the engage. Like, no, he, I, what he does is not wrestling, and I think no. he, he reminds me of Jimmy Havoc. Oh, yes, and we had our well, problem. Just Havoc. only worse, and yeah. Well, you know what? I, 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 when I was thinking of this too, I, I was thinking this probably gets under Andy's uh, skin a lot too, is the fact that every portrayal we've seen of Nick Gage seems to think that he doesn't protect the guy he wrestles. He instead actually exploits that and can become a dangerous liability in a ring. Andy? After the things you've seen besides tonight, we're not going to see talk about what happened tonight till we get there. Your opinion when they said, "Okay, this is Nick Gage, the dude from Dark Side of the Ring, the dude who sliced open uh, David Arquette's uh, carotid artery and just about killed a D level." He was a D level actor. I mean, well, maybe that's not so great, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I uh, a similar vein to you guys. I mean. I, you know, except I didn't see the Dark Side of the Ring episode, so it's mostly just what I, you know, kind of hear, uh, what I read. There was nothing uh, beneficial, nothing really positive. So for me to hear that, it was kind of just like the groan. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're trying to capitalize on Dark Side of the Ring and whatever little bit of like quasi-celebrity, you know, infamy he's got from Dark Side of the Ring and anything else to to try and, you know, maybe bring in some more people. So, I mean, I'll be curious to see how the numbers are, but um, it, it, I mean, I, I've got my own thoughts on this whole labors of Jericho thing anyways, but it, yeah. it, it, it wasn't anything that, you know, make, made me want to tune and go, Oh, okay. I want to see what this guy's all about. Like I just, I've read enough and heard enough that I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I'm going to watch it because, you know, we have to review the show, but yeah, it, 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 uh, it didn't, it didn't pique my curiosity, didn't pique my interest, and it was more just the groan. Like I said, it it, it was just okay. Yeah. We're trying to we're, we're you know we're going for the cheap pop here, essentially. Well, you know the one thing I'll give them credit for is uh, okay. So he does this five labors of Jericho thing, right? And the first one is um, Sean Spears, right? So I gotta admit, it was slightly surprising that the next person up wasn't a member of his group. Yeah. Of, of uh, sorry, of the pinnacle. pinnacle. It was sort of like it kind of seemed like that was the way they were going with a, you know, I was actually guessing, oh, which pinnacle guy's next? And uh, so it was cool that it was someone else, but oh, Nick Gage. And 
you know, I've heard, I've kind of investigated a lot and see what people's theories and, and, and wonderings why. Uh, it seems a lot of people are thinking this directly has to do with John Moxley. And uh, the reason being, John Moxley and Nick Gage have a long history together as friend and combatants in CZW. And that <clears throat> this, in fact, could be uh, a move to parlay Nick Gage into a match with John Moxley. A hardcore match coming up we both we all know that moxley despite the man being a, a talented wrestler seems to kind of love to get into this deathmatch garbage crap he he, he love you know he likes to do it and um i don't know if he's trying to elevate nick gage to his level or he's trying to elevate himself maybe more so by taking on the and, and that's another thing too jericho my God, Chris Jericho is fighting this guy. <laughs> of all the guys you pick on the roster, this is, you think Jericho would be the last guy to get into this yeah. match with this dude. And then it makes you think, okay, Chris Jericho, how old is this dude now? Man? He's got to be close to 50. Okay, so yeah, 50, 51 years old. Yeah. Yep. So he he's equating himself in a way to Hercules. He's created these five things that are going to come out and are going to make him look like the biggest badass. At least that's the design of it. It may not work that way, Yeah. but isn't that what he's trying to tell us that he's above everyone else kind of, because he's taken on everything and then throw in the, the infamous Nick Gage. It just seems like a bit of a weird ego stroke that all of a sudden Chris Jericho wants on his record book that he fought and beat Nick Gage. Yeah. Uh, and you've seen this. We'll haven't get you? there. You've yes, seen this, Andy. You've seen you've seen the veterans who still have a lot of stroke yeah. using said stroke to even kind of puff up themselves when they're beyond that. Yeah. So that's what that reeks to me, and I hate to say it. I, I mean, Chris Jericho still is a tremendous performer, but that's kind of what this reeks of. And uh, we'll see as the night goes on as we talk more about that match. You guys will have to fill me in for what you saw. Do we have any comments on this one, Elio? We do, and uh, the fans have spoken as well on this one with uh, 20, 25% saying yes, while 75% said no, it wasn't a wise decision. So a lot of people are leaning towards a negative for uh, Nick Gage. And I, okay, do you have some comments? You, the way you laughed, I'm going to say you do. We do. Uh, Josh Sanders says, yeah, it's a good heel thing to do by MJF. I like the thought process, even though I don't like MJF. I'm not sure where he's going with that train of thought. <laughs> that that makes no sense to me, Josh. I'm sorry. You might, you might have tripped and banged your head that week when you, you wrote that. Uh, I just don't get what you're getting at there, because if anything – Shouldn't it be uh, a weird thing of having Nick Gage? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Mason Mullen says, I think it's cool. Well, there are people. Hey, there's 25% of the people running around out there that think that Nick Gage thing is cool. Well, bless you, man. All righty. So uh, I guess we're looking at the three of us are thinking what we saw. And at that moment, not exactly the most positive move for Chris Jericho or AEW. I mean, you got to think that Nick Gage is loving this. I mean, the dude's on national television, for God's sake, right? Yeah. Um, I want to question, though, Andy. I want to question, and Elio here, the the idea here, if if they're just trying to parlay on the fact that uh, Nick Gage appeared on Dark Side of the Ring and they're trying to move forward with that, then why on earth did they not do that with Brian Pillman Jr., who also had a great big rub with his father 
being on an episode recently, but they just kind of sloughed that off and didn't really do much with it. And that was a much more positive story. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what a lot of AEW thinking mm-hmm. is. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of the armchair uh, quarterback and the armchair booker and mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have whatever they have backstage and whoever's doing whatever back there. But uh, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they don't feel that, uh, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. was ready yet, mm-hmm. which is fair. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I, I I hope you're wrong about the whole thing with, like, Moxley, and, and this was more just like a one and done with, with Nick Gage. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what I saw tonight, like, that's, that he doesn't add anything to the roster of the show. Nope. No. But here's the sad part is we've seen – John Moxley engage in these kind of crap matches yeah. now every now and then. Mm-hmm. And uh ugh, yeah, okay. Um anything else you want to throw in there, Elio, before we move on to oh, I'm good. All right. Uh I just wanted to bring up uh we have not talked a lot about New Japan wrestling uh, very much in the last year. Um the the pandemic obviously really affected uh in Japan, uh really threw their wrestling out of gear. Then we had uh, Will Ospreay becoming their champion and then getting injured shortly thereafter and being put out for a long time. So much so they had to strip the belt, which is never a good thing, stripping your belt. Look at poor Finn Balor. I mean, uh, he had a a one-night reign and then he's gone. It's a tough thing, and it's a tough thing on a company. You build a guy up uh, to that degree and then they can't perform because of injury. Uh, Not their fault, but I mean, it really threw that into a wrench. And then all these kind of problems with New Japan. New Japan had been at this uh, kind of threshold where it had been really spreading, really uh, going further, further, uh, to the point where uh, you look at like uh, the G1, a thing that was like uh, only the hardcores watched the G1. Uh, me and Elio started watching three or four years ago, and every year we'd watch it, and every year they were making it more and more accessible to the English-speaking uh, audience members. It was becoming a thing where, you know what? Even those weird-ass matches that they had in a gymnasium during this thing were being shown and being translated. And uh, it became a thing where it really was a cool thing to watch New Japan expanding. However, the COVID and some key injuries and all sorts of things really put them back here. And it's been a really tumultuous year in New Japan. Uh, their, the, the status of their championship, uh, we enjoy the fact, I know me and Ellie are big fans of Shingo Takagi. Him winning the belt, pretty cool. However, the, what they're going through right now, uh, some of the top uh, guys are, are sick. Uh, they don't have their full rosters. And then because they've expanded to a point, and I know, I know, Andy, you've seen this in companies before where you're okay doing a couple shows a month. But then all of a sudden you take that step for you start expanding to where you're doing a whole bunch of shows. But then what happens when you can't, fulfill all those shows where a bunch of stuff happens and then you spread yourself and you put too much money in and you have to put the show on knowing full well the show is not going to draw the money to really cover the show but more of a disaster if you pulled out of those shows so it becomes a really big mess that's what we were looking at with new japan they had to cancel so many shows and then i mean if you look at their schedule right now they've got Kurrigan hall booked for like the next month and a half straight 
like massive amounts of matches. And all these matches are meaningless because they're the same matches continuously with a small roster. Right. Um, now, of course, and New Japan will tell you they're doing this. Well, they won't tell you why, but it seems like the reason <laughs> was is because they're trying to make money. You know, they have to. This was a big thing. But how can the average fan, I mean, even if we were in a crazy wrestling uh, towns here, after the pandemic, do you see do you see yourself, Andy, if you're like the hardcore wrestling fan? Do you see yourself going twice a week and paying $50 a shot twice a week uh, for the next two months when people are barely working as it is? I mean, this is a lot to ask for from the New Japan fans. Um, I think people are going to have to you know, pick their spots. I don't know uh, if it's kind of like cannibalizing your own product or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and but Japan's a different market, so it, it's tough mm-hmm. to say. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, you know, on the surface, it doesn't seem like a wise move. Like, yeah, but, so, but you, the you made the point. Like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. no, no go ahead. You were about to say well, the problem. Well, the problem here is when you uh, make yourself a perception of being big, and then having to step back, especially in Japanese culture, which we know is very. Um, Image-driven, yeah. Image-driven. So for you to step back like that is a tremendous blow to your ego and to your look. Uh, I think it would have been disastrous in the eyes of New Japan, who, you know, we know New Japan, but there's a whole bunch of companies. It's not just New Japan in uh, in Japan. There's a lot of other companies there. And while we may not see them, uh, for them to have to step back and look like their competitors is sort of, for them, very humiliating. Yeah, it's a black eye. Yeah, you've pushed yourself too big. You've you've inflated yourself as the toughest guy on the block, and then you're turning around and there's 27 bullies lining up to kick your ass. Yeah. So you got to fight them because you know what? You made yourself that way, right? Yeah. Um, it's a just. It seems like it, it makes me concerned because I we've enjoyed New Japan for so long. We've watched the struggle this year. This could be a bad tipping scale. This could be the the, the part where they fall back too far. And where the, all that momentum that they've built, where they just become another All Japan or Big Pro or whatever other, right. they're just now another indie guy showing you half-ass stuff, right? And that's scary. Uh, on the flip side, you know, they, they you look at their Corgan Hall things and they're booking the same freaking matches for the next two, you know, twice a week yeah. for the next month and a half. And those matches are hard to get through, especially if they're ten men and eight men. Matches. Oh yeah, and that, that's their formula, right? To to, yeah. to to promote stuff. So, I mean, here's the thing: is maybe like we watch the G1, okay? When the G1 comes on, that's a hell of a lot of wrestling cramped into three weeks, okay? But every card is different, right? I mean, sure, you're going to get those uh, the undercard things, the six men, the eight men, ten men matches, maybe a special tag team match, but mostly it's a different tournament matchup every night which can be interesting because you're going to get guys who are tag team partners you're going to get guys in factions guys who hate each other anyways that's interesting but when you're fighting the same cards pretty much the same matches for three weeks straight twice a week in in one building ouch yeah that, that's that's a hard thing and it's even harder if you're paying only your 20 dollars a month to watch new japan you're not going to watch that two or three times in a row. Yeah. 
you're gonna be like, screw that. I just need to see it once. I've seen it all. I'll just watch last night of yeah. it. You know? well, it's, it's gonna it's a push on the guys too on the talent that they have to be creative and, and you know be changing stuff. It's not like a like an old school you know pre internet WWF tour where Monday they're uh, you know they're in Vancouver, Tuesday they're in Calgary, Wednesday they're in Edmonton, and they can do essentially the same matches because there's there's no internet. Yeah. You know, they've, so, they got to change stuff up. I mean, that's uh, one of the things I never got to, to wrestle there, but I know, I don't know if they still do them or not, but when they used to do like the tournaments in, in Germany, they mm-hmm. had, you know, the same group of guys and they, they wrestled whatever it was like 15, 20, 30 nights in a row. And, you know, yeah. it was on, it was on them to constantly, which was good as you're learning, right? Because it's, yeah. it's forcing you to, to, to think and to challenge yourself to, to be different and to go one step further. But with something like this, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's going to challenge the guys, but will the people buy into it when they're not used to that? I don't know. Well, it's, you know, uh, these multi-big tournaments all have a payoff, right? True. And this doesn't. I mean, this is just another yeah. week of uh, New Japan, you know what I mean? And I think that's what's going to be wearing on the fans. And it, you're going to wonder in the end if it's only the hardcores are going to stick out for that. I'm hoping it's not that way. So yeah. we're going to be monitoring New Japan as the thing goes on. Hopefully, we'll see a better turn of events for them. And uh, I'm, I'm just not sure what the fix is right now. Uh, one of the big problems, too, is Koto Ibushi right now is out with um, some asphyxiation problem. He, uh, uh, doing the research on it, it, it's something that happens when you accidentally swallow food and uh, aspire on it. And uh somehow he's out for a while with this it's a terrible thing and it's to the point where he might even have to be on ventilation for a while to help breathe so that's one of your biggest dudes you know that's like losing hulk hogan when you know hulkamania is running rampant you know towards stuff it's it's a big blow for new japan so uh like i said we'll see where this goes i'm not even sure if they're doing a g1 this year uh, it's it's been really up in the air they've mentioned they've dropped it a few times but nothing definitive and that that worries me at this time of year we should have already been either knee deep into it or already talking about yeah. the repercussions of it so i'm, I'm not going to hold my breath for a g1 this year okay so folks uh we're going to take a quick commercial break when we get back we're going to go into uh we're going to take a unique look at AEW wrestling this week. I am going to be sitting in the chair with you guys trying to make heads or tails of just the names and results. while we hear from our two (laughs) intrepid leaders here as they get deep in the muck and tell us what everything's about. Now, before we get there, uh, Elio, tell people where they can write into if they were so inclined to tell us anything they wanted to about the show, about any of our other shows, and, and and I'm even going to give it to the, yeah no go ahead you do this do, do do it do it up all right so you can write to us on Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast Instagram at Wrestling POV One and Twitter on Wrestling POV excellent you know we are one of many shows here on the Wrestling uh, POV Network we are WPOV Global featuring me uh, the legend featuring um, the Lone Wolf Andy Anderson and the gentleman Elio Canella. What we do is we talk a lot of AEW. We take apart the AEW Dynamite show. We talk as much as we can about independent wrestling. And we also try and bring up topics that are sensitive to indie wrestling going on right now. Hopefully the topic is big enough that we can discuss it. And hopefully we can get you guys involved in that conversation. You'll find us every Thursday. Uh, We also have part of our network, WPOV Wrestling, featuring Tony Diaz, Clay Cummings, and Rick Serrano III. It is a humorous look and a very expansive look 
at the WWE week going ons there, including a lot of fun uh, games and things they like to play there. Uh, keep an eye on that. You'll find that show every Saturday. After every major, major pay-per-view, we also do a thing called Aftermath, where some of us, who knows, maybe it'll be Elio and Andy, maybe it'll be Rick and whoever, whoever's available who's watched the show will go on to line. They will tell you what they saw. They'll break down that whole pay-per-view, tell you if it was worth watching. And you'll also have uh, WPOV Quarantine. The Quarantine Shows appears every Wednesday. It is a look at all the different facets of wrestling from various points of view. It is a Zoom-based show featuring me, Andy, and Elio, where we get together with, maybe it's a wrestler, a young wrestler, maybe it's a veteran, maybe it's a legend, maybe it's a journalist, maybe it's a manager, who knows? We get together with a lot of different people and we talk a lot of different concepts and history and all sorts of things pertaining to professional wrestling. Just recently, we had on a very uh, fun and interesting topic where we had on a current veteran wrestler, and a, a historian and we talk some cool stuff all about the dynamic of faces and heels but we did mostly heels this time we got a face episode coming up but it's not just like we like to bring up so-and-so was you know a great face and and but not only that not only will we tell you why we'll take the time to look at history and some of these people the impact they had and then how does those sort of psychology work today and where does that stuff go forward? And that's what I find very interesting to get so many different views from so many different people about the state of wrestling and, and the current look at what's going on right now. So check out WPOV Quarantine. Like I said, that's uh, another show. You can find these shows if you're not to whatever network you're probably listening to. I can't guess. I'm not the psychic. I tried. My head blew up. Instead, you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, and Podbean. And... Uh, who knows, wherever, like Andy says, wherever half-ass crap, no, wherever good podcasts are found, you'll find us. Now, Andy, I hate to do this to you, buddy. Uh-oh. I know you were excited. You wanted to push the t-shirt this week, but I got on the phone, okay? Oh, oh no. Let me just we are one. talking about the oh. honky-tonk man. There he is. Wayne <laughs> oh, jeez. So I'm going to have to cut you, Andy, and I'm going to have to go to honky-tonk man and honky-tonk. You sell us some t-shirts, baby. Well, you know something, baby. The honky-tonk man loves to sing and dance like like the honky-tonk man can. And I'm better than that Elvis Presley. I'm better than anybody else from whenever you want to talk about. But I'm all about the gimmicks. I'm all about the merchandise. And these pro wrestling tees, they... They've got these guys here, the wrestling POV. What do they got? They have four T-shirts, five T-shirts. You guys aren't paying me enough to keep track. How many T-shirts do you guys have? We got five. We got, we got five, five T-shirts. One, two, three, four, five. Five T-shirts, 1995. Get one, but make sure you buy a shirt from the Honky Tonk Man as well because the Honky Tonk Man is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. That's all Good I'm going to say. You, you, guys are, you guys aren't paying me enough to be doing this. You guys aren't paying me enough to be doing this. We're not paying you at all, Honky. Thank you very much. Folks, that was a honky-tonk, man. That guy has been trying to get money out of me for so long, but not as bad as Virgil. So at least we know <laughs> At least we know he's got some morals. Hey, this is Big Bad Boris from PW Wrestling and Clandestine Society, and you're watching WPOV Global. All right, folks, we are back. Let's take a look at AEW Dynamite's fight for the fallen. And... Uh, 
I'm curious, uh, especially the main event, what all the falling is all about. But I'm going to go through my list here, see the breakdown. I'm going to ask you guys uh, how these matches, what, what you got out of them. The first match, of course, was Adam Page, Evil Uno, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Stu Grayson versus Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and the Good Brothers. Uh, why don't we start off with Andy this week? Andy? What, right. uh, what was this a good match? Tell me about it. I know the the elite one, so yeah. uh, Kenny Omega wins with one wing angel and pins Adam Page. Ouch, yes. okay. Well, you know, you're losing to the to the champ, it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, kind of what we touched on earlier, just to, to clarify here, I, I also thought my show was being recorded so that when I uh turned on my TV, I joined this match probably about maybe two thirds, three quarters of the way through. Okay. Uh, joined in progress. So, uh, but you know what? And I normally say this about these types of matches. Once you kind of get like the, the three on three, four on four, five on five, they're there. I, I check my brain in at the door and, and I have fun with it. And from what I saw with this, it was, it was pretty fun. Uh, it was good to see the dark order in there with uh, the, you know, with, with the elite, uh, the, you know, what are we calling them? Uh, elite, yeah, the elite the squad. Elite. Yeah, the elite. Um, I was happy to see my buddy John Silver there back in action. Uh, from what I saw of him, he looked really strong before before getting eliminated. So that was cool to see. Uh, it was cool to hear the live crowd very much behind him. Okay. And, and this is one of those ones, you know, where I said way back when that uh, I thought this guy had some potential, and I think you know the people. Uh, now that we have the live crowds back, we're we're hearing that, we're seeing that. So that was that was good to see. Um, okay. in, in the end, would it have been nice to see the Dark Order sneak a victory somehow? Sure, but uh, you know, I, I get the you know the heels going over, and, and still, you know, it's you got the champ making the pin in the end. So that was you know it it was what it was. But uh, it, it it was for for what I saw, it was fun, and entertaining. I liked it. And you didn't have a problem with like, like I, I get the champ taking the pin, but being pinned by the guy who's his current chase, uh, having, you know, Adam Page taking the pin, that, that wasn't, well, it, it was a elimination style though, right? Yeah. And, and there was, there was, it took so much to beat him down to pin him. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it, it was like, the, like the, the, yeah, like the double team, triple team. And he kept kicking out, kept kicking out. Like it was, there was a lot of false finishes before the one winged angel. It wasn't like just he hit that and that was it. Like yeah. there was so, so much that, uh, yeah, no, he, he was okay. Okay. All right. Elio, as a fan perspective, what did, what did you see getting out of this whole match? Yeah, this, this, uh, this wasn't a bad match. You know, I, I had fun with this match. Um, that suplex that Reynolds did off the top rope yeah. wasn't bad. Um, I said that uh, one spot with the basketball. <laughs> oh yes, let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I, I had to go. I had to go rewind it, and I couldn't because I accidentally switched channels. So once you switch, you can't rewind or fast oh, right. forward. So, so, yeah, when the guys came out. They, they came out. It was almost it was, it was almost like like like, like, like kind of like Space Jam. It, 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 it was Space inspired. Jam too. It was Space Jam yeah. too. Yeah. And so at one point, and, and and here this is a yeah. I'm glad you brought this up, Elio. So who was who did they have on the outside? Was it John Sol? No, it was Page. It was it was Page, Adam Page. And they were going to do their their what Meltzer driver or whatever. But yeah. uh, the one dude was going to jump from the top rope onto the and they're going to spike him on the floor. But okay. they brought out a basketball net. 
And then Kenny Omega had this. So I guess the idea was he was going to have the basketball, jump off the top rope, uh, slam the basketball, and then kind of follow through and then slam Paige down with the Meltzer driver. But as he came down, he didn't uh, – he, he missed the basket. <laughs> so it, it looked, looked brutal. The crowd crapped on him. And mm-hmm. then what bothered me afterwards was uh, – I, I think we talked about this in the group – group chat like you know he went and picked up the ball and then you know did the little slam dunk and goes that's what it was supposed to look like I mean, <laughs> you know and as a heel you're you're okay you know you can yeah. kind of get away with that but to me that was just like very indie level like i like i, I was joking on the the group chat yeah. saying it's like well that's like me jumping off you know having a, an opponent on the, the mat jumping off and kind of trying to do a, a flip or something like that and then land on him and get up and go that was supposed to be a 450 <laughs> and then cover him okay like, it just you know what it's i i am i almost want to say like to me one way or another that you know wouldn't happen in WWE okay um so, can i counter that with one thing sure uh, how about uh, Kent? Uh, uh, what was his name in, in when he was in NXT? Hideo Itami. Yeah, remember the move he does where he jumps over the rope like he's going to nail you, and then he just gives you a back kick with a flick of his thing just to be a dick. So kind of, maybe not. Maybe I'm way off on that. You know I, what I'm I saying? Don't, I don't know. I it, uh, when you're bringing you know a. No, but I mean, we're talking here about bringing in props. We're talking about bringing in a oh, basketball net. Okay, we're talking okay, about yeah, bringing. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. that's the part that was cra- like it's, if it just would have been like off the top rope, he did it fine. But it's like, okay, well, here okay. we're going to be super cool, and we're bringing a basketball. We're bringing yeah. the basketball hoop. You know, they, okay, they, okay. they wheeled one out there, and then it's like he's trying to slam the ball and follow yeah, through. Yeah, that, that's pretty bad. Okay, and that's, I, and that's I what that. I'm I'm cra- and that's what I'm crapping on that. The, the okay. fact is, doing that on the outside, anyways, that should be a finish because like what the yeah. hell? Like, <laughs> that's meant to finish. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, no. okay. For me, the match was fine. Just that one spot didn't work for me. Yeah. Okay. And I guess uh, reading on my notes that came forward to me was, uh, I guess Kenny Omega and them and Don Callis were pushing the Space Jam movie and saying stuff at the beginning, like go watch okay. Space Jam. Or so obviously there's an AEW payout going out for that. So yeah. Okay. Uh, next. Oh, I bet you Andy's gonna love this. Uh, Taz. <laughs> Introducing the FTW champion, Ricky Starks. Ricky comes out, says some stuff. Brian Cage comes out and starts beating up the Marriott. Oh, were they a Marriott? You bet. No, they were a no, uh, like a Dixieland. A brass like a, like, yeah, yeah, brass yeah, brass Dixieland. Because yeah, because what's his name is from New Orleans. Ricky Starks is from New Orleans or Louisiana or something. Yeah. All right. So what, Elio? Tell me what you got out of this whole little promo. Absolutely okay. nothing. Absolutely uh, nothing. Okay. This, this one didn't. No, this one just didn't do anything for me. Like it was just a basic uh, promo. Ricky Starks uh, doing his celebration, and then we get a run in by Ryan Cage, uh, interrupting everything and disrupting the whole place. So, so wait a minute. Let me get this straight. You're telling me that a Taz feature promo, etc., was pretty much nothing. Wow, that's a surprise. Okay, Andy, did you get that? <laughs> I, I don't have much to add on to that because that, that's See? pretty yeah. pretty much what it what it was. Uh, Taz had some little balcony thing set up with uh, the FTW logo on it, and Ricky oh, Starks yeah, came yeah. out with, with was it with Hook or whatever? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and then Hobbs wasn't there. For, was, Hook, was, was Hook holding uh, holding roses or something? 
Well, yeah, because when he was wa- when uh, Ricky Starks was walking out, one of the girls or somebody gave him the the bouquet of flowers. Oh, okay. And then I he, think... he kissed. They had the one girl that was like the plant, and he kissed the one girl, and then mm-hmm. he came in, and he gave the flowers to to Hook, and you know, and the Starks like Starks talking and stuff was good, but uh, overall, like it, it it didn't really do much. Do you ever feel like he's the only real talented guy in that whole group? <laughs> yes. <Definitely>. Marketable? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brian Cage should be, but he's just a meathead. He just, the guy has got zero charisma and, ah, uh, okay. I, I will I, say, you know, you're saying that though. I will say when he did come out, mm-hmm. just to see his kind of face light up and have a smile as more like a baby face thing. That mm-hmm. was like the most kind of emotion I have seen out of him. That was a good sign. So, I mean, I, like I said, I, I've never really seen him prior to this. So mm-hmm. if he's been a baby face previously, uh, there may be something to it because at least now there's a little bit more going on with the facial expressions. I'm not sure how promos will be, but at least with yeah. facial expressions, there was like, there was some th- enthusiasm, some emotion. And I thought that was good to see. So I, I was, I liked that. Okay. Well, I think he's been playing that character of the machine for too long where he's supposed yeah. to be like an emotional and yeah, it just doesn't work as great. Uh, all right. Uh, next, we move on to uh, a match that was should be pretty highly anticipated by a lot of people. This is one that, uh, on paper, I really wanted to see. Uh, FTR uh, with Tully Blanchard at their side, taking on Santana and Ortiz with Conan. Uh, this is a match a long time in the making. I mean, these teams have been colliding in some form of another, albeit never a tag team match. Finally, we get this. Uh, Elio, was this match worth the uh, the wait? This match, um, it it wasn't uh, bad. I enjoyed all parts of this match. Okay, but was it a blow away match that we've been kind of hoping? It wasn't. It wasn't a blow away match. I think we were all expecting, but um, and that uh, finish uh, with the I think it was a small package uh, just to roll Mm -hmm. up. Well, no, he he hit him with like a brain buster or something. And then yeah, a brain up. buster, and then yeah, the brain yeah. buster, yeah. But and I, I can touch on that as to what. So was it uh, Wheeler, or whatever, hurt himself outside the ring? Yeah. Which I I, I, I yeah I I kind of missed it, but what I what I had caught at least what I believe I caught because I didn't go back and watch it again, but uh, mm-hmm. right near the end, whoever it was, so uh, was it uh, Dax and. Uh, Ortiz. Ortiz. Okay, so they're they're on the top turnbuckle, and I'm pretty sure I distinctly heard the referee say, uh, "We got to get out of here." Mm-hmm. So oh. meaning it's like we need to go home like right now, and then so they did the superplex, which they tried to turn into a small package, but then it looks like as they were trying to do it, they kind of rolled over, so the ref you know couldn't make the count. He started the count, then had to stop it, and I think that's you know so that was I think people are kind of like well what the hell and then yeah. it was basically uh dax did like a little uh, baseball slide and then came back with like a brain buster and then all of a sudden like that was the pin that was it so i think mm-hmm. that was you know kind of anticlimactic and people are yeah. kind of like what the hell but it, it my best take on it was you know with the injury there not maybe them not knowing what was going on they got the orders from the back like you know go home right now they tried to off the superplex. It didn't work. So they had to come up with something quick, which, 
you know, okay. it, it was a, it was a finish. It was it was a means to the end. You know, mm -hmm. based on you know, like you said, all the hype and everything is is that what people were expecting? Uh, but I, you know, with, with the injury and stuff, I think they can they'll find they should be able to find a way to come back and and do it again and mm -hmm. and kind of deliver. I think what we're expecting. Now, looking at uh, what was reported, it looked like that uh, Wheeler stuck his arm uh, between the turbuckle pad and the metal part and cut himself on something there. Oh, wow. Uh, it looked, yeah, from a little bit and there. And they it said it was a severely deep cut. Yeah. And so, okay, so then, Andy, in your opinion, that happens in a match. Should the match just be stopped or should they do that, go rush and try and make some kind of finish and then take him off to the back? H how do you see that? I, to me, my, my school of thought is, uh, that's, you know, part of working. That's part of being a professional is you have to go home. It's like, okay, like go home right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing if they say, okay, he's hurt. We need you guys to stretch it out that, you know, that could just as easy as happen where it's like, okay, well the part, you know, the partner's getting taken out on a stretcher. He's getting wheeled away or mm -hmm. carried out. I mean, you know, even with raw the other night, I, I we caught, uh, or at least I caught with, uh, Tamina and Natalia yeah. and Natalia buggered up her ankle or whatever, and she had to roll out. And so obviously, you know, they, they've got to change things and it's, you know, you got to take, go home quick. And that's even way back in the day when you're doing like tryout matches, dark matches, or you're doing enhancement mm -hmm. matches, um, something, not necessarily even an injury, something comes up where you're told, okay, you know, you guys have five minutes curtain to curtain and you've got a match essentially planned out and mm -hmm. you know, you get out there, the bell rings and all of a sudden the referee says, okay, you've got two minutes. Yeah. Well, you're not going to just go, Oh, well, we need to stop the match. Well, no, you have to make it work. And that's, that's, part of the job and so that's that's what they had to do here and you know it, it's I I don't uh I'm not I'm not crapping on the finish because I know it, it's a difficult thing mm -hmm. and uh you know they they got out of it which is what they had to do okay fair enough fair enough all right looks like we got a bunch oh okay skimming through my notes here da, 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 da. all right uh Tony Giovanni comes out uh talks about uh, Rampage in the back, we see Alex Marvez talking to Darby Allen and Sting. Dun dun dun. Was this now? Is that sarcasm or is this just sort of like? Eh. No, no. It it uh, it was very short, very sweet. Just yeah. because it was announced that uh, they were doing Rampage or whatever was going to come from Chicago, Illinois, on like August fourteenth or whatever the, the August date. August twentieth. Uh, August 20th, I, I wonder yeah, who's from Chicago. And that was and the, the whole and then, the world. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it said, you know, it's uh yeah, and that was the whole thing was dropping the line of uh, you know, it's a good place to prove yourself, even if you're the best in the world. Right. So now, that's all that is Gilbert was. still alive? Dwayne Gilbert, is that dude still alive? I don't know. Probably. Isn't he the best? Isn't he the best in the anyways? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next we go to Hikalea versus uh Lance Archer. Now, I, I'm slightly interested in this. I know that me and uh, Elio all last year saw him quite a bit, teaming right. mostly with Gorillas of Destiny. Never saw him ever in a singles match. So I'm curious, uh, who, which one of you guys wants to go on this one first? Elio, go ahead, because you're more familiar. Hey, so uh, this, uh, this was... Uh... For me, it looked like this was a pretty even match. Uh, the the beginning, they were trying to like choke. It looked like they were trying to choke slam each other. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, we saw Haku up there. He, yeah, he, that was nice. He, he tried to interfere in, uh, <laughs> on uh, Hikaleo's behalf. Uh, um, yeah, overall, uh, this match uh, wasn't bad. Uh, and, and now we get uh, his uh, next challenger since Lance Archer uh, retains the title. Okay. And, of course, it said afterwards that it'll be uh, Tanahashi here. Yep. Okay, yep. interesting, interesting. Andy, uh, not knowing Hikaleo very much, uh, your impressions of this match and him and Lance Archer here tonight? I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was a pretty good uh, big man match. They both move well. I mean, we know Archer can move. Uh, now, how do you say Hikaleo? Hikaleo. I keep I want to say like Hukilao, like the Hawaiian. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. Right. It took a long time for me to get that. I had to hear it many times on the show before. Yeah, Hickey, Hickey. Hickey-leo? Hickey-leo. Hickey Leo? Hickey Leo. There's no hickeys. <laughs> no, no hickeys. Well, if he holds you down, he can do whatever he wants to you. But yeah, yeah, it's true. He's yeah. a big he's man. A big boy. That's because he, yeah, he's a big boy. I mean, Lance Archer's a big boy, and he, and he's taller than Lance Archer, so that was yeah. that was something. Um, you know what? Because you know they and they talked about Tanahashi, or they showed the promo, and they even said before this match that uh, whoever you know whoever won would would face Tanahashi, and and mm-hmm. I'll admit, part of me was like, oh well. Maybe that's they're going to drop the title so that it can be you know to go back to Japan for mm-hmm. a little while. So it was uh, it was cool to see Lance Archer uh, get the win. But uh, yeah, not not bad for for a big red match. Yeah. Like I, I didn't mind it. Uh, and I'm still I, I think that sometimes too. But I do remember now New Japan is still trying to expand slightly in the U.S. Right. with their American based show. And sometimes the the winner of this the U.S. champion usually heads over there to for defenses. So. Uh, Elio, so you, you liked it, uh, yeah, and you liked bad. it. Okay, yeah. I'm kind of. This was another match that I had uh, an interest in. All right, we're going to the back. Alex uh, Marvez is with Cody. Asks him about his match next week with Malachi Black. But Malachi shows up and ambushes Cody before he can speak. <laughs> Nobody ever really gets to speak in interviews here. There's lots of jumping, eh? <laughs> uh, what do you guys get? What did you guys? Anything out of this? Anyone want to throw anything about this promo? I got nothing. It, it wasn't yeah. much of a pro, promo because, I mean, it was like literally I think Cody had like four or five words before he got attacked. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was quick. An angle jump, a jump angle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All and right. Then they, we they, a... well, but who is it that he was it Samurai Del Sol or something? Who did he hit there? Malachi Black. I guess it says uh, Black kicks Del Sol and we yeah. go commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, we have a mural promo. Now, I've been digging these promos. Was this a good one? I love this promo. I yeah. just, his promos have been so great uh, lately. Yes. Being calling himself like a God's favorite champion and then ending every promo with uh, the uh, the word according to the Redeemer or something like the that. Redeemer, yes. Yeah. I love it. Same. I love it. I, it's, it's, this is the mirror. You know what? And and I'm sorry. I'm not – I mean, I've said this before. I'm not going to give AEW credit and go, oh, yeah, look, they knew what they were doing with Miro because to me they still wasted their, his first year. Yep. Yeah. Because this yeah. is what we should have had from the get go, but it's it's fine. It's good to see it finally come around, especially like this, because this is, uh, you know, it's not just okay. Well, this is AEW's version of Rusev Day. This is like Miro doing a different character, and uh, it, yeah, I agree. It's great. Okay, and and you think he's pushing for his wife to get a job here? Because I mean, he's been name dropping her a lot in this thing too, and uh, I love it how he mentioned that he was not only. Or was it not only was he God's favorite champion, he was blessed 
to be such a good fighter and blessed to have a double jointed double jointed wife. wife. <laughs> I, it, it's the twofold thing, right? Because I, I think the push has to be there to, to bring her in. Yeah. But even, even, you know, even if they're not going to, even just him mentioning it, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, people are going to be like, okay, well, maybe she's going to show up. Maybe she's going to, it's yeah. still fodder, still conversation fodder. Okay. Now I know that you have probably been waiting, holding your breath all week for this, Andy, but uh, QT Marshall and his apology to Tony Schiavone. <laughs> He's going to hold it another week when Tony's family will be there to see the. He, he gives us, of course, a note past the announcer. Guys, does anyone, anyone, even Tony Giovanni, give two shits about this story? I, I, I don't know if I was preparing food or I missed that. I didn't even get that. So. I, didn't, I didn't get that, but I'm going to go off of what you just said. If I'm Tony Giovanni at this point, I don't really care if the guy is apologizing or not because we know he's not going to mean it. But what's he apologizing for? Uh, for dumping, uh, I think, dumping uh, protein shake. Yeah, protein over shake over his head. <laughs> oh, good lord, two thousand. So, what is the payoff here? Tony Giovanni is a, a, an old, an elderly statesman. Uh, is there a payoff here? Would we get Tony Giovanni versus uh, QT Marshall? No. Well, you know what? Maybe this would be funny, and this is way out of left field. But I heard some uh, buzz on the internet. People are saying, "Well, maybe this is the setup." For QT Marshall versus Britt Baker. <laughs> no, no. Britt Baker is always in there oh, defending Tony Schiavone. Yes, I, I don't think anyone wants to see that. No, I, you know what? And I mean, I could be wrong here. Where I would say, okay, well, maybe that's possible is if she wasn't the champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If she's got enough to do if she's, you know, like if she had lost the title and mm-hmm. you know that was like a like a, a short little program or like something maybe, but it, it, to me it shouldn't be when she's the champ. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. All right, uh, next up we have Private Party and Angelico versus the Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. Jurassic Express, Christian Cage getting the win, but then out of the uh, audience, Cage gets attacked, Christian gets attacked by Blade with brass knuckles. Uh, Why don't we start with uh, you, Andy, this match? You know what? Again, I, I didn't think it was a bad match. Uh, the multi-man matches, and maybe that's—I mean, it's maybe that's a poor crutch or excuse for me to say. It's—I like usually check my brain at the door once I start getting into six men, eight men, whatever. But uh, uh, I thought Christian looked good. I thought Jungle Boy looked good. Um, uh, uh, Luchasaurus—I don't think he looked bad. I don't think he looked bad. No, he didn't look horrendous. Uh, you know, and, and, and private private party and, and and helico, they were you know they were kind of more just the you know the the fodder there for for the end. It, it, it was it was it was a relatively competitive match, but I mean, again, you know, not mm-hmm. in not in doubt. Okay. So, uh, what did you think, Elio? Yeah, for me, um, it, it wasn't a bad match. I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of these uh, six man uh, multi multi uh, person tag matches, but mm-hmm. like Annie said, it wasn't bad. Uh, Christian, Christian looked good. Um, Jungle Boy looked good. Okay, I gotta feel really sorry for like uh, maybe not so much for Angelico and what's his tag team partner Jack Evans. Jack Evans. Jack Evans. 
I don't feel so bad for them, but I feel bad for private party. These dudes were everywhere and then they signed with Matt Hardy and they are lucky to get a match <laughs> now in the last couple yeah, months. They've, 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 gone, they've, gone, they've uh, dropped all the way down the ladder. Yeah. And they, they abandoned, obviously, the whole storyline, remember, where they were suspicious of their <laughs> manager and they weren't sure what they were doing. Now they're just full out heels. It doesn't look like they give a shit about anything. We're in. Yeah. We're in. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you guys think of, and this is what bugs me here, Blade with his continuing attack on people with brass knuckles, when in fact he never actually hurts anyone and usually in the end <laughs> he ends up eating the brass knuckles in the match to come. Yeah. Yeah, I, for me, he needs to stop with these brass knuckles and this whole uh, this whole thing they've got. They have him doing with uh, attacking everyone with them. Well, I don't think he has to stop. I think he just has to actually do something impactful, hurt somebody enough that it means something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, yeah. he doesn't do yeah. anything. He attacks them. Like, you just, if you're gonna use brass knuckles, use them. <laughs> Make Fair. it mean something. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, all right, let's move on to, um, uh, okay, I'm going to skip the video package because uh, it's just a Nick Gage crap. Uh, Julia Hart versus Thunder Rosa. Um, let's see, it says Thunder Rosa taking it with a drop kick. How, how was this match? I know Thunder Rosa, is it not true that somebody said she was maybe hired as a trainer now in AEW for the women's division? I don't know if that's her, true, she, but I, I yeah. think I've heard that. Uh, what do you guys, sure. what's your impressions? I mean, Julia yeah. Hart, obviously, when she's 19 years old, uh, pretty girl with some potential, I think. Uh, the Thunder Rosa, was it a good match? I, You know what? It was better than, I'm, again, it's been several weeks since I've seen, I was Julia Hart or whatever. Julia Hart. Julia Hart and and I mean she looked you know and you know maybe this is part in part uh, props to Thunder Rosa for carrying her but uh, I it, like it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad match like it, and she like Julia Hart looked better than the last time I saw her mm-hmm. so maybe uh, maybe it's a matter of you know that she's working with somebody very you know a lot more experienced maybe they've been working together uh, maybe it's been a case of you know what let's kind of tone down what you're doing here and just keep the simple stuff that we know you can do well. Mm-hmm. And not, uh, you know, not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves. And it, it, you know, not a, not a, a, a Matt classic by any stretch of imagination. No, no, I, I didn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, no, but I, I wouldn't call it like a, you know, like a stinker or, you know, when there used to be, you're more during the pandemic, we always used to kind of complain like, oh yeah, like another women's match that was kind of like, yeah, like it was still better than, I'd say it was still better than, than most of those. All right. Do you see Julia Hart as having a lot of potential uh, down the road, do you see her, Andy, as developing into like a credible um, top female wrestler, or is she just sort of that pretty girl who's going to be the manager and have okay matches? Too early to tell. Yeah, nineteen. It is pretty early. Yeah, too way too early to tell. All right, uh, Elio, as a fan, how how was this week's women's match? Well, this was uh, better than other matches we've seen her in. Um... Yeah, she's, like we said, she's 19 years old, still has a lot of work to do, but uh, I think uh, it was uh, it was bad. Okay. All right. Um, so moving on, um, we have a, in the back, John Moxley cuts a promo about how he can't get answers from New Japan. Uh, he wants a shot back at Archer. Uh, Tanahashi comes on. Mox is... Uh, de- Mox is hit or miss for me sometimes lately with these promos. 
He's been hit I, for a while. Was this a good one? I have to cut you off. Uh -oh. yeah. <laughs> okay, this is what I think it is. Okay. Yes, it's exactly what you think it is. And we need to pause for a moment because we need to make an addition to the book. Uh oh. Oh. Yes. Okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, the book covers also, I mean, although this particular instance is going to be a little uh, uh, more national than international. Ooh, okay. But I would like to put. Uh, the Sports Network, TSN, oh. the official cable <laughs> provider of AEW Dynamite. Okay. I would like to put them in the book for two reasons tonight. Oh, okay. So, one, because this isn't the first time this has happened where uh, there's been changes. Because, So, for those of you that are listening uh, that are in the U.S. and you're watching on TNT. So, up here in Canada, uh, TSN is one of our major sports networks. And TSN has five stations, you know, so TSN one, two, three, four, five, TSN one, that is like the main major number one station. Traditionally, uh, AEW Dynamite appears on TSN two. Right. So for, you know, though most of us, if we're reviewing, watching are going to be late, you know, you set your PVR for TSN two. Uh, we don't get, it doesn't seem like we really get any notices saying, oh, okay, no, it's no, going to be appearing on a different channel. Yeah. So, like, like, like you, I went, I went to check the TV, nothing was recording. Yeah, nothing was recording. I got, you know, I got home about 10 after quarter after six. So that's why it was kind of the, the, the first match there was joined in progress because I had nothing to, to, you know, go back and start watching. So not the first time. So that is part of it. And and I double checked because in our group chat, I checked with uh, with our, our, our good friend, Tony Diaz. And midway through the Mox promo, mm -hmm. TSN went to commercial picture in picture. Oh, no. And <laughs> it was a, a long break. Yeah, like during a promo. It literally it came back just as the announcer, just as the uh, ring announcer was going, I was introducing Nick Gage. Oh wow! So like wow. we didn't get the pain maker, we didn't get the pain maker entrance. We uh, we didn't even really you know get the full Nick Gage entrance. It was like I think Nick Gage was already in the ring. It was like like Nick Gage, and that's when we came back in. So we missed, I'd say at least half. Would you say half the promo? Because he was kind of he, yeah. he kind of got he started talking, and then all of a sudden it just like went into picture in picture, and then you're getting the the audio of the the picture in picture, and then that. So for the changes without warning. Yeah, and uh, for what I'm going to say is one of the most piss poor jobs of going into commercial and commercial in the middle of a promo and then cutting off the intros of your main event. Uh, TSN needs to go into the book. Okay, so what are we calling this? Um, because I TSN have something in mind. Oh, you got what, what do you have? What do you have? TSN's egregious acts of atrocity. <laughs> There wow. we go. We're, I'll we're, take it. Were orphans hurt in the making? Slowly, the great book opens. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm cool with it. We're not going to forget that one. TSN's egregious acts of atrocity. You just made the book. Bam. Yeah. So yeah, so we can't really uh, 
go over the mox promo because he yeah. started talking about it and i think you one of the last things we we heard was he was like oh yeah he says i'm pushing you to japan i'm pushing you to japan and as soon as there's an opportunity for the champ to go to japan it's like i'm already you know i'm out of the picture and then you were out of the picture because <laughs> we went to commercial break okay okay fair enough fair enough and i don't know that from these notes so <laughs> yeah no and like i said talking with talking yeah, talking with Tony, who's located in the U.S., he said that didn't happen to them. Okay. All right. Well, that kind of sucks because you're right. One of the biggest things, the main event, let's face it, uh, the majesty of the entrances, the music, the full thing for the main event is really what drives the whole show. Um, so, but let's try and get into this. Our main event finally comes on. We're having Chris Jericho in his, the Painmaker persona taking on Nick Gage in a no-DQ match. It is the second labor of Jericho. Reading these notes, Chris Jericho did, in fact, uh, make it to the end of this match. Okay, Andy, tell me about Nick Gage and the shit you saw tonight. Uh, within the first, like, two, three minutes, I just I wasn't impressed with his ring presence, the way he carried himself. Uh you know what did what did you say Jim Cornette said he looked like like a uh, what do you say a, a a meth a meth head who crawled out of a dumpster a meth head who crawled out of a dumpster I will uh, you know adjust that slightly okay and I will say if Gollum from Lords of the Ring <laughs> became a meth head and crawled out of a dumpster that's who he looks like <laughs> oh Andy. That's, yeah, it uh, and it's it wasn't even like a, a death match thing for me. It just mm-hmm. I, I I just I don't know. The, the there's, there was just nothing there for me with him. Um, you know, I guess he's coming more on the the, the presence and uh, the reputation preceding him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, so it's like you knew that you know it was it was fine. I mean, Jericho took some of the light bulbs and and whatnot, but uh, light bulbs. Oh Jesus! Yeah, whatever the uh, the, the light beams. The light, yeah. What are they called? Yeah, oh, the, the light beams the that he pulled. Like the, 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 the long tube, the, the fluorescent yeah. tube, the flesh, yeah. 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 Um, you know, but you know, like Nick Gage is going through the glass and some other stuff. Um, you know, he cut Jericho right off the get go. Right before they were locking up, he had the pizza cutter and kind of. Uh, you know, slash Jericho's arm and, and kind of cut him there. But then, and, and I said this, I don't know if I said this about WWE, but I, I maybe AEW, but um, there, there was a couple times where they were really glorifying the Nick Gage using the pizza cutter on Jericho's head. And he already mm-hmm. had some, he already had some blood, but then when you, when you watch it, I mean, it's tough here because we're not on zoom. So people aren't going to see it, but if you yep. go back and watch, he's holding it at an angle. So like the handle's kind of like this. So the wheel is not really touching Jericho's head or it's not digging in. So he's going back and forth like this, mm-hmm. but like nothing. And then you know, when he, even when he pulls it away, like you look, if you look on the, the pizza cutter, there's no blood on the pizza cutter. Ah, it's, it's that okay. old type of thing, you know, sometimes where the guys are bleeding and, yeah. and, and the opponents have the white tape and they're punching, punching, you know, like, like Triple H or something's like punching the guy yeah. in the head and then yeah. he pulls away and, and, and the tape is still all white. Yeah, he's not really punching the guy. At, at least you'll drive your, drive your hand in there, grind it in there. So at least there's, you know, when you pull out, there's some blood. Yeah. Okay. But, so, the, so that kind of thing kind of detracted it for me. And not that I'm hardcore and I want to, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I, 
I wouldn't want Jericho to be in this anyways and getting all cut up. But it just, uh, you know, when, when you're when you've got this image coming with you and you're doing all this other stuff, to me, it's like, look, like if you're gonna like half-ass that, just just don't do it. Yeah, why bother, right? It's it's kind of like it's kind of like you know earlier talking about the slam dunk. Like if it's not gonna yeah. you know be perfect, it's not gonna work out. Don't do it. The other thing I'm gonna say uh, before we we hear Elio's take on this. I really don't like this whole five labors of Jericho thing. Okay. I don't, I don't think, I I don't think he needs it. He's Chris Jericho. You know, uh, you said something earlier about, you know, if it's like feeding his ego or for the matches or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's part of it. But, you know, I, I, I honestly, I would rather see Sammy Guevara getting built up with this. I would rather even, you know, I honestly, I'd rather see Jake Hager. Mm-hmm. Getting getting a rub off of this rather than seeing Jericho having to go through, Jericho, you know, Jericho's beaten Austin and The Rock in the same night, and you know whether you're going to acknowledge that kind of history or not. We already are going to acknowledge on a regular basis that Jericho is one of the greatest of all time, and you know if he's doing this because it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be the grizzled veteran. I'm going to, you know, 51 years old, and I'm going to do this. I don't know if it's if he needs to prove it to himself or to the fans, but like to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, this, what, what, what is this doing for, for the rest of the inner circle? Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Like, it, uh, I, it just, yeah. And that, that's what I was alluding to at the start of the show. I just, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan of this because I, I don't think Chris Jericho needs this. Now I, I have a question, Andy, this yeah. Nick Gage guy, can he wrestle at all? I have, I have no idea, but I don't really see, I like, you know, and you kind of, you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of touching on, well, maybe it's for him versus Moxley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's something that's maybe catering to the core people that are already going to watch AEW regardless. Yeah. I don't think that's something that's going to pull in a lot of new fans to, to watch. Yeah. So to me, it's, 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 it's a, it's a waste. I don't think they need to. You know, it's like the, you know, he brought him in. That was that one shot. You gave him his little bit of TV time and okay. you know, go back to being a deathmatch hero. Now, before before I'm going to ask Elio his take on this match, you know, I was listening to a few other podcasts from other people, all different sort of variants of ideas of what they thought Nick Gage brought or what he accomplished or whatever. Uh, I came across a well-known Canadian website that does a podcast and they talked about how they and, and and maybe I'd like to see if you guys think this at all, but they said by the reception that uh, Nick Gage got just being introduced last week, that they could see him as a face, as a fan favorite down the road in AEW with those fans. Are they just off here or or what? I suppose I, I could, you know what? It's and this is something again we've talked about before. We're we're not the key demographic. We're not the target demographic, yeah, really, for AEW. Uh, you know, in a similar vein, when you when you talk about um, who did you? I don't think it was Nick Gage. Who did you mention earlier about somebody coming out and they just expected us to know who he was? Oh, was it yeah, Wheeler Yuta? Uh, Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, Wheeler Yuta. Like again, this is 
you know, and I've talked about this where, you know, and you said like WWE, they would let us know. And that's, I, I've always praised WWE for that because yeah. they're going to make sure you know who the character is, whether they're creating their own history or whatever. It, it's to me, that's where, you know, and if, if they're getting the numbers and this is working, AEW caters to the smart internet wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it's like, you know what, maybe they could, he could become a, uh, a fan, you know, well, I don't know. They don't have fan favorites and uh, heels, <laughs> but, but he could be, but he could become a, you know, a, an AEW fanboy. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Cause this is the guy that, Oh, he's, he's willing to put his body on the line to entertain us and whatever. I thought that's what Darby Allen was doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah no but, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, you know, you could be right. They could be right. I, I hope mm-hmm. everybody's wrong and he just, goes away yeah and don't give me the ideas in my book Darby Allen and uh, Nick Gage yeah so in a company where a dude who could fall off uh, a building and and be dragged by a car that's just not extreme enough (laughs) can we find somebody who will cut his face open with a pizza cutter all righty uh Elio your your takes as the fan I didn't like the smash at all okay why I just uh Nick Gage, okay. Now we already went over this uh, at the beginning of the show. Um, I'm just not a fan of this, uh, this kind of these uh, death matches. And uh, mm-hmm. for me, uh, there's there's only no talent in uh, what what he does. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just uh, saw him for kind of just a bad sideshow. He was. <laughs> yeah, isn't no? I'm not another fan. All right. So guys, uh, let's let's put on our thinking caps. It's time to rate this on our report card rating. Uh, we're going to start with Elio. Elio, what grade are you giving this week's show? Okay, so um, there was some good, some... It wasn't as enjoyable as uh, the past few weeks. I'm just going to go with a B- here. A B-. All right, Andy? Uh, and I haven't, you know, I've, I've kind of been away and haven't seen a lot, but in my head... The B minus was my first thought as well because, uh, yeah, some stuff to me, you know, the typical of AEW get, get, gets my head shaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, it, it you know, a solid show. It, okay. Yeah, so it was an enjoyable, a fun show for me. Like it, it went by reasonably fast. Excellent. All right. Well, there you have it. A B minus as our uh, card for this week. The fight for the fallen. Uh, interesting stuff. Nick Gage. Oh man, I'm not sure where that's going, but. I'm sure by tomorrow when I pick up my computer, I can log on, go back and watch the show and see exactly what I missed. Here. Um, but wow, let's see where this goes. A uh, little bit of rumors about uh, obviously CM Punk being bantied around a little bit there. And they didn't really touch on it, but you know, they've been talking about Daniel Bryan also is, is uh, might be rumored to be making an appearance when they hit the Arthur Ashe stadium in New York. So interesting things to come now folks we want to thank you for tuning in this week uh you know what andy i want you to give us the best uh the best stampede wrestling goodbye that's in you that you can give this week in the meantime and in between time that's it another edition of wpov global bye-bye now (laughs) 